All right, good morning, everybody. Let's take our seats today. Everybody doing okay? That's good, that's good. Hope you met somebody friendly and that you feel right at home here with us. Say good word of uh, welcome from my side as well. My name is JJ. I am uh, I, my JJ Ace. My, my, my surname is spelled U-Y-S. Don't say use. It's pronounced Ace. <laughs> but you all know all about what funny pronounced surnames, right? Come on. And um, I'm from South Africa. I've been in Louisiana for about 10 months now. Joined Our Savior's Church last year in December. And it's just been an amazing journey of God uh, adding my family and I to this group of believers and We've seen some amazing things happen in our short time here, and I believe today is going to be one of those amazing moments again uh, where God asks us to respond to something. Um, and uh, so the Bible says that we, we need to respond to the Word, amen? Not be listeners only, but doers thereof, uh, because if we just listen to the words, we, we kind of deceive ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being taken for the fool, and it's worse if I take myself for the fool. And uh, so uh, I, ho- I hope that today is going to be powerful for, for each and every one of you. And um, Pastor Josh is uh, in Jennings today. He sends his greetings. And they're starting with a series that will start next week. It's called Crazy. And it's when, uh, just all about when life gets crazy, how we as Christians uh, um, conduct and, 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 and trust God to go through those kind of, kind of moments. But today, first, we're going to talk about a topic that's called uh, Side Chick Savior. So I have a question. How many of you grew up? hoping, you know, one day you dreamed about your wedding day and then, but here's what you visualized. It wasn't your wedding. It was a guy and another girl and you were the undercover bride in the crowd. How many of you drew, grew up dreaming to be the side chick? <laughs> All right, I hope nobody put their hands up. I was going to give it a good test, but I'm just, I know you want to put up your hand later for something different, but nobody wants to put their hand up to be the side chick, Right. Come on now, when you dream about your life, you hope to find that person that's going to value you and prioritize you over everybody else. Am I correct? Yeah, hallelujah. I'm happy that I found one like that. And I'm doing my level best to beat that for her. And I hope the same for each and every one of you. Um, hey, among men, you know, if it's even, it's even difficult to just always be the sidekick to somebody. Right? I mean, some, somewhere we want some recognition too. We want like, I'm my own man, you know? Like, nobody likes to be the side anything. Well, i got news for you all today as well. Jesus don't like to be the side chick savior. He doesn't want to be one of other things that you prioritize in your life. He wants to be the center of your life, the center of your pursuit. And um, we ought to talk about that today. We've got to talk about how do we take ourselves out of the central part of our lives? How do we take other interests and um, parts of normal, you know, people's lives. How do, we, how do we take those things and remove it out of the center of our lives to be able to put Jesus front and center in our lives? And because we're talking about that today, um, we're going to talk about baptism. I'll tell you in a minute. Luke 9, 26 says the following. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And this is quite a hard verse to, to, to recognize because I've been ashamed of admitting that I'm a Christian. I've, been, I've hidden it 
when I was in, you know, at times in, 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 in environments where it wasn't a church environment. I wasn't among church people. And, um, you know, I could have revealed that, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I didn't. And I remember walking away from those situations, always feeling stupid, always feeling, man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have hidden this. I should have been upfront about it. I should have been, I should have been gracious and told people that, hey, you know, I serve God. I, I shouldn't have been ashamed of Him. And uh, I know that this scripture verse refers in the, in the extreme version of it to say that, hey, if you're, if, if you're ashamed of Jesus and His words and you're not willing to associate yourself with it entirely, then one day when we're going to heaven, and we need to um, face up, well, He's not going to vouch for us having associated with Him just because in that moment we are forced to bow our knee. Um, and this really talks about salvation. It doesn't talk about the moment where, you know, you as a son of God or a child of God had a weak moment and you didn't acknowledge that you're a Christian in front of, a, you know, people that weren't Christians. It doesn't refer to that. But, even when I am in those moments and I don't acknowledge my faith and I don't glorify God in those moments, I walk away feeling that I missed something, that I didn't do something that I ought to have done. And here's why I feel that way. I feel that way because as a Christian, my primary motivation on anything and everything should be to glorify God, should be to worship God, should be to make Him famous wherever I go, not to hide Him from people. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today because it becomes a very, very important um, mental attitude to adopt if you're going to obey Scripture and if you're going to respond to the Word of God like God wants us to respond. Not be listeners only and walk in this deceived way, but truly and, uh, and fully learning how to walk with God and walk in the Spirit and not just gratify the desires of our flesh. Um, and so <clears throat> that's why we're talking about baptism today, because baptism is that. Baptism is that first time that I identify myself as being a Christian, and I do it in a response of obedience to the Lord. So I want to read you a bunch of scriptures that goes about that today. And my prayer is here that each and every one of us who have given their lives to Jesus and have not been baptized subsequent will make a decision today baptized when you walk when, to get baptized when you walked in you saw the whole pool the, the baptistry out there we baptized um, somebody at the first service and it was it was a sweet moment for those of you who were there it was amazing and that person um, or was a woman of all responded right here today based on the word of God to go and get baptized after the service. I want you to be thinking about that because I know you didn't come dressed for the occasion. You came to church, right? You didn't come to, to, to swim. But I know, I know, I know, I know. Everything you're going to be telling me, but you know, I wear a dress. I know you're wearing a dress. And here's the beauty of it though. It's once we strip away every little bit of reason why we shouldn't respond to God, we become powerful agents to be used by Him in this world. Here's why. You know, guys, we're engaged in a battle. There's a battle going on for Crowley right now. Last week, I spoke about just how 
drug wars are currently happening between here and Jennings. Let me tell you, the kingdom of darkness is trying to have its way with Crowley. It's trying to, 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 to break this city down. It's trying to break people's um, marriages down. It's trying to bring poverty into this place. It's trying to um, create lawlessness. And when lawlessness um, uh, increases, every other bad thing also increases along with it. And I'm telling you that God needs people who are willing to stand up for truth and stand up for His kingdom in this city if we're going to see this place one for Jesus. And what does it take? It takes us getting up when it's uncomfortable, when it's inconvenient, and when it's unpopular, and making a stand for what is right when we're sitting in our boardrooms, when we're sitting in our classrooms, when we're sitting at our dining room tables, when we're sitting in places where we're supposed to thinking, no, this is just my time where I can be, have fun and, and I don't have to worry about anything. God wants even those times for us to give those times to Him and glorify Him in those times. If we will live like that, we'll definitely become powerful and the kingdom of God will advance and this place will become a place where heaven is felt on earth and many people get saved. Amen? Amen. Come on. All right, so baptism, first and foremost, is an act of obedience. In, in Acts 2, verse 38, Peter replied, he said, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is amazing. Peter is laying a foundation here. This is the first sermon Peter is preaching after Jesus had, had risen and gone to heaven. And there's a, there's a principle in the Bible that's called the law of first mention, which means that whenever you hear in the Bible of something the first time, it lays down a pattern that will be continued throughout the whole of Scripture. Now think of this. The Bible was written over a thousand, a period of 1,500 years by many different authors. Just think about the radicalness of this. And yet its message has remained consistent over millennia. And not even from the same region. Different cultures of people have written the Bible. Now just think of the different way of thinking that exists among different cultures. The way they perceive things. The way... Things are taught the way things are, um, are expressed and explained. How do you explain a document that is so consistent over so many years across so many regions of earth throughout being, and, and being written by so many human authors? There's only one way you can explain that. And that is that God has to be the author that pulled it all together. That led every single person as he was writing. Because he knew the beginning from the end. The end from the beginning. Isn't that amazing? That the Bible that we have currently is such a trustworthy document and that there is, in fact, there is no other document in existence on earth that has as much integrity as the Bible has. If you reject anything the Bible says, you have to reject all of modern historic documents. Because we have more proof that the Bible in its current form is consistent with, their, with the original writings than we have for the existence of many of our historic figures like Napoleon, Plato, and even Nero. Just think about that. 
our word, the Bible that we have, is such a consistent, trustworthy document, which means that when it lays down a principle for us to follow, and it follows that principle consistently over years, it means that that principle remains valid for us today. Do you, you guys understand the logical conclusion that I'm drawing here? If the Bible therefore tells us something to do, it wasn't just meant for the disciples when they were on earth. It is meant for us today. We ought to order our lives according to that same pattern because that is how the scripture has guided us over millennia. And that is amazing. And in the scripture verse, Paul, no, Peter is laying down a foundation. He's laying down a Christian response that should be followed until Jesus returns. It's very simple, but it's profound. It says, repent, turn to God, be baptized, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for centuries now since Jesus, for millennia since Jesus, Christians have responded in this very way. They've repented, they've turned to God, they've got baptized, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do today. For some of you who have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're going to give an opportunity at the end to consider the truth of Scripture and make that decision that God has been pulling on your heart to do anyways. And then for those of you who have never been baptized since you have given your life to Jesus, this is going to be like a first step of obedience that you start taking in bringing your life in, the pattern, uh, in line with the pattern of Scripture. Baptism is an act of obedience. Secondly, baptism is an action of identification. It's, an, it's, it's uh, me saying that I am associating myself with a particular person whom I believe in. And here's, here's what we used to identify ourselves with. We used to identify ourselves with our success, with our occupations, uh, or just with our philosophies. And, and, and each of us had that little you know, thing that I'm this kind of a guy. How many Cajuns do we have in this room? All right, a couple, at least, at least some, right? How many of you are proud of your Cajun heritage? Yeah. Yeah? yeah, good. We should be, all right? And there's nothing wrong with being proud of our, of our earthly culture. But did you know that before you became a Cajun, you were in God? You are of God. And yet when you were born on earth, we were born into sin, and we have to kind of do this whole thing in reverse Here's how it works. You were born, you were created in God. Right from the beginning. He had you in mind. Yet, in coming to earth, we entered into a flesh body that is under a curse. It is condemned because of its nature being sinful and therefore separated from God. Now, we're born into a particular culture, aren't we? I was born into, I was born into South Africa, but, but even closer to South Africa, I was born in, in a culture called the Afrikaner, and our language is Afrikaans. And, uh, other, and, and in that, I was born into a particular surname of people that, you know, according to my lineage, is, is quite a prominent surname within my culture. So I come from a really proud heritage. I am still proud of my heritage. My forefathers were all um, government men, uh, generals in, in armies, and, and preachers. And, and, and they all had influence. They all were leaders. And so I'm proud of my heritage, and so should you be. No matter where you come or, or whether you know much of it or not. You are allowed to be proud of your culture. However, our cultures can never be our primary identity. Never. 
The minute you do that, you're putting something else on the throne and you're taking Jesus off the throne of your life. And now being Cajun defines how you live instead of being Christian. And that's a huge distinction that needs to happen. Unfortunately, in Christianity, we make the mistake of saying, all right, good, you know, this is who I am before I find Jesus. Now I found Jesus, but I don't fully filter that through what just happened. What just happened was you made Jesus sit on the throne of your life. But in practice, if you do not submit to that, you will still compete with him for the throne of your life. And so this is how you used to do business, and it was, it was, uh, uh, un, um, it was dishonest, and it was, but it was, it was successful, it was effective, but it wasn't God-honoring. And so what happens now, Jesus comes into your life, and he says to you, hey man, we need to, we need to change this around a little. And you go, I'm changing that. This works. And Jesus says, well, we're going to have a little problem here, because... Uh, you accepted me as the Lord of your life, and because I am your Lord, I need this to change. And now you find yourself in this, in this situation where God is asking you to change something of your life, and you're not willing. Why? You're not willing because you're still identifying as something that you're no longer. See, what happened was you were born into Cajun culture, but when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were born again back into God's family, and now you are first a Christian, and second, you're from Louisiana. Which means that first and foremost, God needs to define how your life goes. And secondly, the way you express it will happen to be in a Cajun way. But each and every one of our cultures are sinful. A friend of ours in ministry in South Africa, um, he said, All cultures are valid, all cultures are equal, all cultures are dynamic, yet all cultures are sinful. And God wants to redeem whatever is righteous and good out of Cajun culture, but He wants to transform what is not. And the only way He can do that in your life is if you place being Cajun second. If you place being an American second. And I know this is not an easy message to hear, but this is the Christian response. We need to repent, turn from our sin, and we need to get baptized and we'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to repent? It means to change our thinking. This is how we conducted our lives, and now we conducted this no longer this way. To turn from our sin. What is sin? Sin isn't smoking or, um, or, 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 or cheating or lying or being dishonest in your business, that's the effects of sin in your life. What is, this? what is sin? Sin is that you're missing who God meant for you to be. God meant for you to be connected with Him in a relationship as a father-son, father-daughter, and you're not in that relationship. You're separated. The word in the Bible in the Greek is called harmatia. That's what the, sin, that's what the word sin um, in the Bible is called. And that word is used in the imagery of archery when you have a target set against a wall and you're called to shoot and you shoot and when you miss the target, the official shouts, Harmatia, you've missed. You should have hit that mark and you didn't. What is the mark God is wanting each and every one of us to hit to become children of God? Now out of being children 
He becomes our father. He becomes our leader. He becomes our king. He becomes our Lord. And he guides us into the lifestyle that he wants us to live. We start rejecting whatever is bad and we start accepting whatever is good. And that causes us to stop cheating, to stop being dishonest and all of those things. Why? Because now our lives are about glorifying and honoring God. God is holy and those things don't fit by him no more. And so I can't be complete, I can't entertain those things in my life anymore because it's not honoring to God. And with this, I introduce to you today the primary response and the primary thing that us as Christians need to do, and that is we need to honor God with our lives. Honoring God is our first objectives as, as Christians. But here's another thing, a conversation that I've been having with many people of late. And what I think is such an important thing to mention about living this life with Christ. If we do not recognize that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, what we inevitably do is we make God into our servant that we can just call on whenever we want Him, whenever we need Him, and when, or whenever it's convenient to us. So if I don't feel like obeying Him today, you know what? It's okay because he'll love me anyway. And he is just there to help me, right? He's, he's there for me. He's my ever-present help in time of need. And we even use scripture misquoted to, to keep Jesus out of the driver's seat of our lives. How many of you have felt that you've been... Um, You've been disconnected from God. God is far away from you. And, and you're kind of confused because you prayed prayers and He's not answering your prayers. And, and, and you, know, you, you decided to serve Him and then things went worse in your life instead of getting better. And you're wondering, what the heck is going on? Isn't God going to answer my prayers? Here's the trouble with that kind of thinking. It's when you think like that, you're essentially seeing God as a genie in a bottle. And when you rub... He needs to play according to your rules. And we think the rubbing is praying. And God is just there for me when I need Him and how I want Him. And if I prayed and He didn't answer my prayers, I have an issue with Him. Because doesn't He say in His Word, He will give the righteous the desires of their hearts? If you ever try to use Scripture against God, it's, it's weird. It's just weird because He wrote it. He knows what it says, but he also knows what he meant by it. And often we forget or we get it wrong in we're taking it and twisting it to be something that serves us rather than it helping us to align our lives in such a way so that it serves him. Right? So today is an opportunity for each and every one of us to repent, to say, Lord, I I'm not going to be on the throne of my life anymore. I want you to be on the throne of my life. Did you know that, and that's what it means to receive Jesus, the Lord of our lives. Did you know that the Bible speaks nine out of ten times of Christ as being Lord and one out of ten time of Him being Savior? Now that emphasis is there for a reason. It's there because the reason why He came to save is because He is Lord. And He wants to be Lord of our lives. He doesn't want to be our side chick Savior that we just call on when it's convenient for us and when we need Him. 
He wants our lives to become a complete offering that worships Him and glorifies Him. Now, here's the great thing about it. If you change your life around and make Him the Lord of your life and put Him in the center of your life, all of a sudden you gain the ability to stand strong in life no matter what's going on around you. Things might be falling apart around you, Yet if your motivation is, I am not doing this because I need to be seen, because I need to reach certain goals, because I, if I need to become somebody, I need to, if your motivation is purely to glorify God with your life, it doesn't matter how things go, how you feel. You are, ex you are immune to things going on around you that makes you feel anxiety, that makes you feel depression, that makes you feel like a failure, that makes you feel condemned. Why? Because those things aren't defining you. Your God defines you and you serving Him defines you. Let's just quickly pray for a little bit. Father, I thank You for Your Word here today. Lord, I just want to come against any, any attempt to bring confusion in the house here in Jesus' name. just want to resist it, Father. Thank You that Your, your will will prevail not my words but your will thank you father for helping me gather my thoughts and no attempt of the enemy will bring confusion here of what needs to be said glorify you today love you lord you're an awesome father amen he's an awesome father amen amen, amen. come on so baptism is an act of identification it's when i say i am no longer first and foremost this i am now christ's I belong to Him. Um, so this is the message that, that, that Paul preached in Romans 6. Another one of the disciples say the same thing. Have you, not, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Jesus in baptism, you were joined with Him in His death? Baptism brings us into Jesus Christ, um, the identity of Jesus Christ. It makes us declare publicly whose we are. So we know who we are. We are children of God because we're acting in obedience to our Father. And we're declaring through it that, hey, we've died. Me, South African me, Afrikaner me, have died. And I no longer stand for that me. Any, I stand for Jesus. I stand for Jesus, first and foremost. And the way I'm going to express it is still going to be South African. But that no longer dictates me, dictates my actions. Christ dictates my actions. Um, and then the thing about baptism is that it has to be something that you do as a believer. Based off what I just said, it's not something that can be done to you. It's something that you have to receive. It's something that you say yes to. And so the order here is important. It's repent, turn to God, and then be baptized. Because baptism is an act of obedience, I can't obey anybody if I do not know what I'm doing. Baptism has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your church affiliation. It has nothing to do with your church membership. But it has everything to do with who you identify as belonging to. And you can only go undergo a baptism once you've said, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. 
Now, here's the great thing. In baptism, you are, you are portraying what has happened to you internally, externally, and publicly. What happened to you internally is you died with Jesus. When you put your faith in Christ, you died with Him. And in baptism, as you go under the water, and that's why we symbolize the symbol of baptism is going to be something that is um, similar to the act, the, the, the reality that occurred. It's portraying a burial where you and your old you disappear under and get buried, but then get raised back up into a new life, a life for Jesus Christ now, for His purposes, not alive any longer to, for Him to serve me and what I need to accomplish, but alive so that through my obedience, His purposes and glory can be portrayed in the world and can be achieved in the world. Are you all getting me? Anybody understanding this so far? I spoke about Peter laying down a, a, a foundational response. Let me show you how this response gets repeated. Later on in Acts, there's a guy from Ethiopia that um, is riding his chariot and God sends one of his disciples to walk alongside the chariot. He hears the person reading from Isaiah, but he can't understand what he's reading. So he offers to explain it to him. He shares the gospel about Jesus Christ with this person and this person gets saved right there en route to where he was traveling in his chariot, right? The amazing thing is this person's response is, all right, when can I get baptized? And the only reason he couldn't get baptized there and then was because of a lack of water. And then the next thing you hear is say, hey, there's water. Let's go do it now. And the response is immediately, this is what I ought to do. Because I became a Christian, I need to get baptized. Another person, he is a guard in a jail who is guarding uh, the disciples who are being incarcerated. God performs a miracle. He gets them out of jail. This person gets saved in jail through the disciples who are inmates. They lead this officer to the Lord. He brings them to his whole family. I don't know if you know what that meant. That was treason. Okay? Next time he gets found, he's dead. And yet he has found valuable enough what he received from those prisoners. To abandon his post. Bring them to his family. Let them hear the gospel. His whole family got saved. And guess what's the next thing they do? They baptize them. They baptize them. A public declaration of who they now identified with. I no longer identify with Rome. I identify with Jesus Christ. So, if that was the first act that believers did after they got saved, it should be the first act that we do once we've gotten saved. And so you might have gotten saved and you might have been baptized after you've gotten saved. I'm, that, I'm celebrating that with you. But if you're sitting here today, and you haven't been baptized, then what God wants to do is wants, He wants to kickstart a new pattern in your life where when He tells something for you to do, you act with obedience and identification without shame and you take the, you take the faith step and do it. 
the amazing thing is once we start living our lives that way, it changes everything in the future. Now God can speak to you in the middle of a lunch conversation with a colleague. And because you've, because you've set a pattern of obedience to the Word of God, you can now become an agent in His hand to, 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 to identify with Him, to not be ashamed, and to speak to that person that is with you to encourage them in their relationship with God. How beautiful is that? Once you hear the Word, you act on the Word, and it brings the kingdom of God into other people's lives. And you're able to live as children of God. I think that is beautiful. I think that is exactly how God wants us to conduct our lives. So if the first act for them was to, to make it official, you know, it should be for us. It's time to, get, time to get official. It's not official until it's Facebook official, right? Change that status from single to being in a relationship. And that's what baptism is. And that's what we're heading towards today. The last thing is baptism is an action of renewal. Galatians 3 verse 27 says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There's nothing as refreshing as obedience. How many of you have done something after feel, feeling that God wanted you to do that and just experienced the bliss of the Father's pleasure? Come on now. Some of you have received, you've, you've experienced that. It's the same with baptism. But when you start doing, when you start obeying in this thing, getting baptized, you set that pattern of hearing the word of God and responding to it. Um, did you know Jesus got baptized? Not because he needed to re-identify, but he says this, so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. What does that mean? That means that he needed to fully model exactly how he wanted us to live out and conduct our lives. He needed to do it in order so that if we would say, I'm following in Christ's footsteps, it would lead us to the water of getting baptized. We spoke about this thing called the Sychik Savior. And God's desire to not be in that place in your life. He doesn't want to be a second priority. He really wants you to put Him first and foremost as the King of your, of your lives. So I want to I give us an opportunity today. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we have access to God. And, and let me make this clear. Baptism, the act of baptism, doesn't save us. It's our act of faith that saves us. But baptism is us obeying God's directive identifying with Him and publicly making that direction that we have now associated ourselves with Him before people and receiving that renewal of stepping into a pattern of obedience, an obedient lifestyle in Jesus Christ. And so because of what He did on the cross, we're able to receive His salvation. We're able to step into relationship with Him. So I want to give you, if you have never made that decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the opportunity here today to make that, to make that declaration. So let's all stand together. And we're going to, I want you to think about this. We're going to pray now. And, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to put your hand up and say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to put Him, I want to put Him on the throne of my life. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, Let's all do that right now. Let's pray. Father, 
we come and we want to declare that we don't want our lives to center around ourselves, our hopes, dreams, and desires, and just use you uh, to, um, in a, as a means to our end. We want our lives, Lord God, to be worship to you. Everything we do in our life, whether it's just our family life, our working life, even our recreational life, Lord, we want to respond to you and let those aspects of our lives all be worshipped to you and let them all glorify you, Lord God. That's our prayer today. If you want to make that commitment that from today on forward, you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're going to put him in the center of your life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and just declare that right here today. One, two, three. Just put your hand up. Thank you. Hands going up. Anybody else you want to respond to this call today? Jesus, I'm making you the Lord of my life. My life is no longer going to be about me, but it's going to be about your glory. I'm going to identify with you. And I'm going to worship you before people and take a stand for you. Just put your hand up right now. I saw those hands. If you put your hand up, you can put it down for now. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. And if you put your hand up, I want you to especially from your heart to pray this prayer with all sincerity after me. Just, and we're all going to join in so that nobody feels awkward about praying this prayer. Can we all join in? Let's pray this. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, you took my shame and my guilt and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me. So I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again as a child of God. I declare God, you're my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just celebrate with these people. God bless you. This is the best decision you could have ever made in your whole life.